be seated. The Old Testament lesson this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You shall heed such a prophet. This is what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, If I hear the voice of the Lord my God any more, or ever again see this great fire, I will die. Then the Lord replied to me, They are right in what they have said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their own people. I will put my words in the mouth of the prophet, who shall speak to them everything that I command. Anyone who does not heed the words that the prophet shall speak in my name, I myself will hold accountable. But any prophet who speaks in the name of other gods or who presumes to speak in my name a word that I have not commanded the prophet to speak, that prophet shall die. The next lesson comes from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 through 13. The word of the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind, and after the wind an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake, and after the earthquake a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire, and after the fire a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Would you please rise for the gospel reading, which comes from the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this? A new teaching, with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to our time of children's message, I wanted to share with our, with our children and with all of you, I was, we've been talking about our senses, and today we come to the voice. And often we tell our children that there's a time to speak up particularly when there's something that's been done wrong to them, but particularly when there's been something done wrong to someone else. So when you see something wrong done 
on the playground, when you see something wrong done on the bus, when you see something that makes you uncomfortable being done to someone else. That's probably the hardest time <laughs> to speak because you're hoping somebody else <laughs> says something instead of you. You're hoping somebody else uses their voice so you don't have to use your voice. You know, I, I taught second grade briefly. About that long. <laughs> and, and second graders like to hope that somebody else will tell the teacher that somebody wasn't kind on the playground. Except for like one or two that is really eager to tell you what everybody did. A prophet's voice is the one that says, here's what Jesus calls us to do. The love and the ways in which we haven't yet done what Jesus calls us to do. It sounds a prophet's voice like our voice. I'm not sure we always know that. It sounded like all of my second graders. <laughs> and it sounds like our voice too. How about if we pray and ask God to help us to use our prophet's voices? Will you pray with me? Dear God, we thank you for our voices the ones we use, and the ones we're nervous to use. Help us to speak like your son, Jesus. Amen. This morning we continue in our series, The Senses of a Disciple. In the last two weeks, we've examined the senses of hearing and smell as we've cultivated our scriptural ears and aromatic prayers. So this week, we're turning to our voices. So what exactly does the voice of a prophet sound like? Is it deep and resonant? like James Earl Jones. He narrates the voice of the King James Version of the Bible, if you get it, on iTunes. Is it melodic and earnest, like Julie Andrews? She might be from some of your favorite musicals, Sound of Music or Mary Poppins, so on. Does a prophet whisper quietly? to make you kind of lean in to the edge of your seat? Or does a prophet boom as to not even need a microphone? I served with an associate pastor once who bragged he didn't need a microphone. 
do prophets speak in sound bites? Are they quotable? Or do they drone on for hours and hours? We have both of those in the Bible, by the way. Biblical prophets vary in tone and volume, frequency and focus. Some are confident and some are faltering. All of them look to God for the source of their words. Some of you will remember the story of the prophet Elijah. Jackie read it for us. It had been pretty awful for the prophet. At the center of his story, near, not near the beginning, he wasn't yet getting started. He wasn't quite ready for retirement, but really in the center of his career. He had come head to head with King and Jezebel, and Elijah had shown the very power of the Lord against hundreds of prophets and the priest of Baal, and he didn't quite yet feel like he was winning. He was running for his life. He was depleted even though he had shown down these prophets. He was really ready to be done with the work of a prophet. So in the passage we heard, God met Elijah right where he was, in the grips of despair. So we heard it. God told Elijah to stand on the mountain and wait for him. Every time we have been confident that we could tell what God's voice might have sound like, this passage reminds us God cannot be limited by one set of expectations. Elijah was sure that God could be told how to sound. Elijah imagined that God would be known in a wind that was so powerful to split apart the rocks wasn't where God was. I kind of sigh with Elijah when I hear that. And Elijah then felt the earth shake, and he's sure this is where God's going to be, not where God is. We're told this, not exactly how long this is, You and I get to read it in just a couple minutes, but I'm sure this didn't happen in just a couple of minutes. I'm starting to feel Elijah's concern here. (laughs) Then there's flames of fire that dance, growing broader and higher intensity and waiting with desperation. This must be where God is, not where God is. Remember, Elijah's already exhausted and wondering how long, O Lord, until I hear you. When will this be over already? And then a gentle whisper, like a sheer silence. You and I, we who are disciples, are called to use every single one 
of our senses, using our prophetic voices, which may be audible. Others who communicate our voices through sign language. Perhaps our prophetic voices are actually through our actions. We have not a verbal voice at all. Remember, God spoke through prophets who stuttered. Remember Moses? Or those who were mute. Remember the story of Zechariah back at Christmas time? Or Jonah? He had some processing differences. He had to be told multiple times where to go, and he didn't agree with it at all. And today, we know that prophets did not end with the closing of the biblical canon over 1,900 years ago. Prophetic words pour forth as God's people wait to hear what God's saying. For such a time as this, prophets are short and tall and old and young. Those with various kinds of differences, autism and Down syndrome, alongside those who are rediscovering speech after a stroke. God has never been limited. So how can we, as disciples, open ourselves up to prophetic voices and listen? There's four things we need to know about the prophetic voice. First is be the voice of God. A prophet is not like predicting the weather, thanks be to God. I will not tell you when the snow is starting or when it's ending or how much there is. I have no idea. Do you? <laughs> we are expecting between 12 to 18 to 0 in the next four to ten to zero days, who knows? A prophet waits on the Lord and speaks for God, but only when the word of the Lord comes. Whenever you read in the Bible, thus says the Lord. This is your indicator. It's like a flag. You should hear in your own mind that the message of the Lord is coming. Be the voice of God. Prophets speak for God, never for themselves. A prophet doesn't say, this is my opinion, and then call it the word of God. For context's sake, the difference between a prophet and a priest is that a priest speaks on behalf of the people to God. If you are determining whether or not something you hear is indeed the word of God, it should sound the same as something else you read in the scriptures. God's consistent. While Elijah was surprised what method God used, he wasn't surprised at what God actually said. Expect God to show up and that God continues to talk. Second, impart grace. There's a classic story about a man by the name of Andrologus and a lion. He was a Roman soldier. And one day there were some villagers who came to him and said, there's a lion who's roaring in the 
forest near us and we're terrified of this lion. Is there anything that you can do about this? So the man goes into the forest and soon he too can hear the roar of the lion. He gathers all of his courage and he gets close to where the lion is. Even closer and dialing up all of the courage he knows that he has, he notices there's a thorn in the lion's paw. And with the last bit of courage that he has, he comes close to the lion and he takes the thorn out of the paw of the lion. Now you can imagine the roaring stops. This story actually has a second part. This is back in the classic days and years later this Roman soldier becomes a Christian convert and is arrested for his faith. One day he's hauled into the Colosseum Center and he's to be the entertainment, forgive me here, as the lion is released upon him. And the lion bounds into the center, ready to come upon him when it's the same exact lion. And he stops. And he begins to purr. Don't ever think that a prophetic voice cannot also impart grace. Don't think that prophet always means to roar. Third, as we seek to develop a prophetic voice, we share love. We've often believed that sharing the love of God involved complete acceptance and avoidance of crucial conversations. This doesn't hold up if you read any Jesus. Social commentary calls us to discipleship and realignment to the way of God. Social commentary causes us to bristle initially at the change to which we're being called. I was reading recently about a woman, maybe you've heard of her by the name of Haben Girma. She was the first deaf blind person to graduate from Harvard Law School not so long ago. And she tells the story about her college campus experience in a dining hall. She requested that the menus for the upcoming week be shared with her in a way that she could read them. She wanted them in Braille so that she could tell what food might be coming. Haben is vegetarian, and she wanted to make some appropriate choices. The dining manager explained to her that this favor would require too much time. Haben returned the next week with her own prophetic realization that this actually wasn't a favor she was asking of the dining manager. This was vital. As I listened to her story, I was reminded that expanding accent is, access excuse me, was a concrete way 
to share God's love. And sometimes it takes a prophetic voice, audible or not, to call institutions to this work. During Advent, I wrote devotions, and I offered them in a book that was published for conventional print. I had it for all of us in kind of a standard size font. And some of you were prophetic enough to call on me, <laughs> thank you, to ask for those future devotions to be in a larger size font. Thank you. It's the prophetic voice at work calling the church to do what it says it should do. Our upcoming Lenten devotional will be in larger font. Do the very thing we said we're going to do. And lastly, number four, when you use your prophetic voice, you share the life of Christ. As you wait on God, always share Jesus' life. Father Henry Nouwen was a talented professor at Notre Dame and Yale and Harvard divinity schools, and he wrote over 35 books. But the last decade of his life, he left academia altogether, and he lived at a community, Lark, for developmental disabilities where he was the pastor. What's unique about this place is that the disabled are the teachers here in this place. And he writes about his time in a book entitled Adam, God's Beloved. Adam, a man who never spoke, was a prophet to Nowen about the very meaning of life to one of the most educated and articulate. Adam taught Henry, and by extension many of us, about the belovedness of God. He says this, Adam was sent to bring good news to the world. It was his mission, the mission of Jesus. He was quiet and uniquely there. He was a person who, by his life, announced the marvelous mystery of God. I'm precious, beloved, whole and born of God. He had the silent witness to this mystery that had nothing to do with whether he could speak or walk or express himself, nothing to do with whether he made money or had a job, was ever fashionable, famous, married, or single. It had to do with his being. He is and was a beloved child of God. The news Jesus came to announce. The news to all of us we proclaim in our weakness. So, for our prophetic voices, listen for God. God is seeking to use you whether your voice falters or it booms. God is seeking to use your voice to the powers that be, to your friends, to your family, to the church. And dear ones, 
even to yourself. This is the gospel. It's the good news of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.